The Wild Duck by Henrik Ibsen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act 4 Jalmar Ekdal's Studio. A photograph has just been taken. A camera with a cloth over it, a pedestal, a few chairs, a console, and so forth, are placed down the stage. It is afternoon. The sun is setting. A little later it begins to grow dark. Gina is standing in the open entrance door with a small box and wet plate in her hands, and speaks to someone outside. Yes, quite certain. When I promise anything, I do it. The first dozen shall be ready by Monday. Good day, good day. Steps are heard going down the stairs. Gina closes the door, puts the plate in the box, and puts it into the covered camera. Coming in from the kitchen. Are they gone? Clearing away. Yes, thank goodness. I've got rid of them at last. Can you think why father's not come home yet? Are you sure he's not down at Relling's? No, he's not. I ran down the kitchen stairs just now and asked. And there's his dinner getting cold for him, too. Yes, fancy, and father's who's always so careful to be home to dinner. Oh, he'll be here directly, you'll see. I do wish he'd come, for I think everybody's been so strange. Exclaims. There he is. Jalmar Ekdal comes in at the entrance door. Father! Oh, what a time we've been waiting for you. Glancing at him. You've been gone a long time, Ekdal. Without looking at her. I've been a rather long time, yes. He takes off his overcoat. Gina and Hedvig go to help him. He waves them off. Perhaps you've dined with Verla? Hanging up his coat. No. Going to the kitchen door. Then I'll bring you in something. No, let the dinner be. I'll not eat anything now. Going close to him. Aren't you well, father? Well? Oh, yes, so-so. We had a fatiguing walk, Gregers and I. You shouldn't have done that, Eichdahl, for you're not used to it. Hmm. There's many a thing a man must accustom himself to in this world. Walks up and down a little while. Has anyone been here while I was out? No one but the two sweethearts. No new orders? No, not today. You'll see. There are sure to be some tomorrow, father. I hope there may be, for tomorrow I mean to set about work in real earnest. Tomorrow? Oh, but don't you remember what day it is tomorrow? Ah, that's true. Well, then, the day after tomorrow. Henceforth, I mean to do everything myself. I alone will do all the work. But what's the good of that, Eichdahl? It'll only make your life a burden to you. I can see to the photographs, and then you can go on with the invention. And then the wild duck, father, and all the fowls and rabbits and— Don't speak to me of that rubbish. From tomorrow I'll never set foot in the loft again. Yes, but father, you promised me that tomorrow we'd have a little feast. Hmm, that's true. Well, then, from the day after tomorrow, that damned wild duck, I should like to wring her neck shrieks the wild duck well i never heard such a thing shaking him oh but father why it's my wild duck and therefore i will not do it i have not the heart to do it not the heart to do it for your sake hedvig 
but i feel so strongly that i ought not to suffer any creature under my roof that has passed through those hands but good lord because grandfather got her from that good-for-nothing petterson you walking about there are certain demands what shall i call them let me say ideal demands certain claims that a man cannot set aside without wronging his own soul following him but think the wild duck the poor wild duck stopping why you hear i shall spare her for your sake not a hair of her head shall be hurt that is what i was saying i will spare her for there are greater problems than that to solve now you should go out a little as usual hedvig it's dark enough now for you no i don't care about going out now yes go along you seem to me to be blinking so with your eyes to-day all the vapors in here are not good for you the air beneath this roof is heavy all right then i'll run down the kitchen stairs and go out for a little while my cloak and hat oh they're in my own room father now you mustn't do the wild duck any harm while i'm out not a feather of its head shall be plucked presses her to him you and i hedvig we too well go now hedvig nods to her parents and goes out through the kitchen walking about without looking up gina yes from to-morrow or let us say from the day after to-morrow i should like to keep the household accounts myself do you want to keep the household accounts too now yes or to keep the accounts of our takings anyhow lord help us that's soon done i hardly believe that for you seem to make the money go a remarkably long way standing still and looking at her how do you manage it it is because hedvig and i require so little it is true that father is so liberally paid for the copying he does for mr varla i don't know that it is so liberally i don't know the prices for those sort of things well about how much does father get tell me well it varies so i should say it's about as much as he costs us and just a little pocket-money besides as much as he costs us and you never told me this before no i could not for you were so happy to think that he had everything from you and so father gets this from mr verla oh yes mr verla's got enough and to spare he has light the lamp lighting it and then we don't know that it is mr verla himself it may be groberg who why these subterfuges about Graberg? I, I don't know. I only thought... Hmm. Well, it wasn't me that got Grandfather the writing. Why, it was Bertha when she went to the house. Your voice seems to be trembling. Putting the shade over the lamp. Does it? And your hands are shaking, aren't they? Firmly. Speak straight out, Eichdahl. What is it he's gone and said about me? Is it true? Can it be true that that there was a kind of relation between you and mr verla while you were in service at his house that is not true not at that time no mr verla was after me certainly and the wife fancied there was something in it and then she made such a hocus-pocus and hurly-burly and she knocked me about and drove me about so that she did and so i left her service afterward then yes then i went home and mother she wasn't as good as you thought eichdahl and she kept on at me about one thing and another for mr verla was a widower then 
Well, and then? Well, I suppose it's best you should know it. He didn't let me alone until he'd had his will of me. Clasping his hands. And this is the mother of my child. How could you conceal such a thing from me? Yes, that was wrong of me. I ought certainly to have told you long ago. You ought to have told it me at once. Then I should have known what sort of a creature you were. But would you have married me all the same? How can you imagine such a thing? No, that is why I did not dare tell you anything then. For I grew to care so very much for you, as you know, and I couldn't go and make myself absolutely wretched. Walking about. And this is my Hedvig's mother. And to know all that I see before my eyes. Kicking a chair. All my home. I owe it all to a favored predecessor. Ah, uh, that seducer Verla. Do you repent the fourteen or fifteen years that we have lived together? Standing in front of her. Tell me, have you not repented every day, every hour, for the web of deceit that, like a spider, you have spun around me? Answer me that! Have you not really gone about here remorseful and penitent? Ah, oh, dear Eichdell, I've had quite enough to think of with the house and all the daily work. So you never cast a searching glance at your past? No, God knows, I had almost forgotten those old intrigues. Ah, this callous, insensible calm. There is something so revolting to me in this. Think, not even remorse. But tell me, Eichdell, what would have become of you if you had not found a wife like me? Like you? Yes, for I've always been a little more businesslike and practical than you. Well, of course, that's natural, for I'm a few years older. What would have become of me? For you had got into all sorts of bad habits when you first met me. You surely can't deny that. So you call those bad habits? Ah, uh, you don't understand a man's feelings when he is in sorrow and despair, especially a man with my fiery temperament. Well, well, that may be. And I'm not regaling about all that either, for you became such a model husband as soon as ever you'd a house and home of your own. And now we've made it all so comfortable and cosy here, and Hedvig and I were soon going to spend a little more, both for food and clothes. In the swamp of deceit, yes. Oh, that that abominable fellow should ever have set foot in this house. I, too, thought home good to be in. That was a delusion. Whence now shall I get the needful elasticity of mind to bring the invention into the world of realities? Perhaps it will die with me, and then it will be your past, Gina, that has slain it. Almost crying. No, you mustn't say any such thing, Eichdall. I, who all my days have only tried to do the best for you. I ask, what becomes now of the breadwinner's dream? When I lay in there on the sofa pondering over the invention, I already had the presentiment that it would devour my whole powers. I felt, too, that the day when I should hold the patent in my hands, that day would be my last. And so it was my dream that you should be left here the well-to-do widow of the departed inventor. Drying her tears. No, you must not speak like that, Eichdall. God forbid I should live to see the day when I was a widow. Ah, tis all one. 
Now all this is past anyhow. All. Gregor Schwerle opens the entrance door cautiously and looks in. May I come in? Yes, do. Enters with a face beaming with delight and holds out his hands to them. Now, my dear friends. Looking at them alternately and whispering to Yalmar. So it is not yet over. Aloud. It is over. It is? I have passed through the bitterest moments of my life. But the most ennobling, too, I should think. Well, at any rate, it's off our hands. God forgive you, Mr. Verla. With the utmost astonishment. But I don't understand this. What don't you understand? So great a reckoning. A reckoning that is to lay the foundation of a new life, the living together, in truth and without all deceit. Yes, I know that well enough. I know that so well. I felt so sure that as I entered the door, a light of transfiguration and joy from the faces of both man and wife would shine upon me. And now I see nothing but this dull, dreary, sad... Oh, that's it. Takes the shade of the lamp. You will not understand me, Mrs. Ekdal. Well, well, for you I dare say it will take time. But you yourself, Yalmar, you must feel a higher consecration after this great reckoning. Yes, of course I do. That is to say, after a fashion. For surely there is nothing on earth to compare with this, to forgive one who has erred, and lovingly to raise her up to yourself. Do you think a man can so easily forget a draught so bitter as that which I have drained? An ordinary man, no, that may be. But a man like you... Yes, good gracious, I knew that well enough. But you mustn't drive me, Gregers. It takes time, you see. You have a great deal of the wild duck in you, Hjalmar. Relling has come in at the entrance door. Hello, it's the wild duck to the fore again. Mr. Verle's Sr.'s broken-winged victim of the chase, yes. Mr. Verle's Sr.'s? Is it he you are speaking of? Of him and of us others. In a low tone to Gregish. The devil take you. What is that you're saying? I was wishing heartily that the quack would take himself off home. If he stops here, he's just the man to muddle things up for you both. Things will not be muddled for these two, Mr. Relling. I will not speak of Hjalmar now. Him we know. But she, too, at the bottom of her heart, must surely have some truth, some sincerity. Tearfully. You might have let me pass, for what I was then. To Gregish. Would it be impertinent to inquire what it is you really want in this house? I wish to lay the foundation of a true marriage. So you don't think that the Ekdal's marriage is good enough as it is? It is certainly quite as good a marriage as most others, unfortunately. But it has not yet become a true marriage. You have never had any sense for the claims of the ideal, Relling. Stuff and nonsense, my good fellow. With your permission, Mr. Verle, how many, approximately, 
how many true marriages have you seen in your life i hardly think i've seen a single one nor have i but i've seen such numberless marriages of the opposite kind and i've had occasions to see from personal observation how such marriages can demoralize two human beings the whole moral foundation of a man may give way beneath his feet that is the terrible part of it well i've never exactly been married so i'm no judge of such things but this i do know the child is part of the marriage too and you must leave the child at peace ah hedvig my poor hedvig yes you must be so good as to keep hedvig out of all this you two are grown-up people you can in god's name muddle and meddle with your lives if you feel inclined but you must be careful with hedvig i tell you else you may do her mischief a mischief yes or she may do herself a mischief and perhaps others too but how can you know that relling there is no immediate danger to her eyes this has nothing to do with her eyes but hedvig is at an awkward age she might get into all sorts of mischief yes just fancy she does that already she's begun carrying on with the fire out in the kitchen she calls it playing at house on fire i'm often frightened she'll set fire to the house there you see i knew it well enough to relling but how do you account for this sulkily she's passing through a constitutional change man as long as the child has me so long as my head is above the ground there is a knock at the door hush eichtel there is someone in the passage calls out come in mrs sorby in walking costume comes in good evening going up to her what is it you bertha yes indeed it is i hope i'm not in the way not in the least an emissary from that house frankly i didn't expect to find your menfolk at home about this time and so i ran up for a little chat with you and to bid you good-bye really are you going away yes early to-morrow up to Reudel. mr verley left this afternoon likely to gregish he sent his greetings to you well i never so mr verley's gone away and now you are going after him yes what do you think of that ekdal i say be on your guard i can explain it to you my father is going to marry mrs sorby marry her really bertha at last then his voice trembles slightly surely this isn't true yes dear helling it is true enough are you going to marry again now yes it looks like it verley has got a special license and so we're going to keep our wedding quite quietly up at the works i suppose as a good stepson i must wish you happiness thank you if you really mean it and i hope it will be for both verley's and my own happiness you may certainly hope that mr verley never gets drunk so far as i know and he's certainly not in the habit of beating his wives either like the late lamented horse doctor used to do let sorby be in peace where he lies he also had his good sides he too 
but mr verle has better sides i dare swear at any rate he hasn't wasted what was best in him the man who does that must take the consequences i shall go out this evening with molvik you shouldn't do that relling don't do it for my sake there's nothing else for it to yalmar if you want to make one of us come along no thanks ekdal doesn't go in for that sort of divulsions vexed in a low voice ah be quiet good-bye mrs verle he goes out through the entrance door to mrs sorby it seems you and dr relling knew one another pretty intimately yes we've known one another for many a year once indeed it might have come to something between us too it was a good thing for you it didn't you may well say that but i have always taken care not to act upon impulse and a woman can't throw herself quite away either are you not in the least afraid that i might give my father a hint as to this old acquaintance surely you understand that i have told him myself indeed your father knows down to the very least detail all that people might fairly say against me i have told him all this it was the first thing i did when he let me see his intentions you are more than commonly frank i think i have always been frank that's the best way for us women what do you say to that gina ah we women are so different we are some take one way and some another yes gina but i believe it is wisest to arrange matters as i have done and verley too has concealed nothing of what concerns himself from me indeed it was that which chiefly brought us together now he can sit and talk to me as frankly as a child he has never been able to do that all his life he the strong man full of life heard nothing all through his youth and all through the best years of his life but sermons and many a time the sermons were about merely imaginary offences as i've heard say yes what they say is true enough if you ladies are going to discuss that subject i had better go you needn't go on that account i shall not say another word i only wanted you to know that i had done nothing deceitful or in any way underhand it may be perhaps a great piece of good fortune for me and so indeed it is in some respects but still i think i receive no more than i give assuredly i shall never fail him and i shall serve him and tend him as no one else could now that he is becoming helpless helpless to mrs sorby don't speak of that here it's no use hiding it any longer much as he would like to he's going blind starting going blind that's strange he is going blind too so many people do and you can imagine what that means to a business man well i shall try to use my eyes for him as well as i can but i mustn't stay any longer i'm so busy just now oh i was to tell you ekdal that if there was anything verley could do for you you have only to apply to Grabberg. i'm sure hjalmar ekdal will decline that offer indeed i don't think he used to be so yes bertha ekdal wants nothing more from mr verley slowly and emphatically will you present my compliments to your future husband and tell him that i intend very shortly to call upon the bookkeeper graberg what you'll do that 
to call upon the bookkeeper Graberg, I say, and ask for an account of the money I owe his principal. I shall pay back his debt of honor. <laughs> Let us call it a debt of honor. But enough of this. I shall repay the whole with five percent interest. But dear Eichdahl, goodness knows we've not the money to do it. Will you tell your betrothed that I am working indefatigably at my invention? Will you tell him that what sustained my strength for this exhausting labor is the desire to be rid of the torture of this load of debt? That's why I go on with the invention. I shall devote the whole of the profits to the repayment of the pecuniary advances made me by your future consort. Something has happened in this house. Yes, there has. Well, goodbye then. There are lots of things I want to talk to you about, Gina, but they must wait until another time. Goodbye. Yalmar and Gregish bow silently. Gina follows Mrs. Sorby to the door. Not beyond the threshold, Gina. Mrs. Sorby goes out. Gina closes the door after her. Gregish, now I am free of this dead weight of indebtedness. At any rate, you soon will be. I think my attitude may be called correct. You are the man I have always taken you for. In certain cases, it is impossible to set aside the claims of the ideal. As the breadwinner of a family, I must writhe and agonize beneath this. For believe me, it's no joke for a man of small means to pay off a debt that has been accumulating for years over which, so to say, the dust of oblivion lies. But be this as it may, the man in me too demands his rights. Putting his hands on his shoulders. Dear Hjalmar, was it not well that I came? Yes. That you were shown clearly your true position, was it not well? Somewhat impatiently. Yes, of course it was well. But there is one thing against which my sense of justice revolts. And what is that? It is this, that, but I really don't know if I may express myself so freely about your father. Pray, do not mind me in the least. Very well. You see, it seems to me so revolting to think that now it is not I, but he who will realize the true marriage. How can you say such a thing? But it is so. For your father and Mrs. Sorby are entering upon a marriage contract founded upon complete confidence, founded upon perfect and absolute frankness on both sides. There are no concealments between them. There's nothing kept in the background in their relation. The two sinners, if I may so express myself, proclaim mutual forgiveness. Well, and what then? But that's the whole point of the thing. Why it was all these difficulties, as you yourself said, that were needed to be found in a true marriage. But this is quite another matter, Hilmar. Surely you would not conjure either yourself or her with those two. Oh, you understand me. But I can't get away from the fact that in all this there is something that wounds and offends my sense of rectitude. Why, it looks exactly as if there were no righteous providence in the direction of the world. Oh, Eichdahl, God knows you mustn't say such things. Hmm. Don't let us enter upon that question. 
but on the other hand i seem to behold the guiding finger of fate he is going blind oh perhaps that's not so very certain it is indubitable we at any rate ought not to question that for it is just in this fact that there lies the righteous retribution he has in his time blinded a trusting fellow-creature unfortunately he has blinded many and now fate the inexorable the mysterious demands his own eyes how can you dare to say such awful things i'm quite frightened it is good at times to ponder upon the seamy side of existence hedvig with a hat and cloak delighted and out of breath comes in at the entrance door are you back again already <sighs> yes i didn't want to stop any longer and it's a good thing i didn't for i met somebody at the door i suppose it was that mrs sorby yes walking up and down i hope you've seen her for the last time of course hedvig looks shyly from one to the other as if to see what it all means going up to him coaxingly father well what is it hedvig mrs sorby had brought me something stopping still for you yes it's something for tomorrow bertha has always bought some little thing for you on that day what is it you mustn't know now for mother's to give it to me in bed tomorrow morning ah all this companionship from which i am shut out quickly no you can see if you like it it's a big letter taking the letter from her cloak pocket a letter too yes it's only a letter i suppose the other's coming later but fancy a letter i've never had a letter before and there's miss on the outside reads miss hedvig aikdal fancy that's me let me see that letter holding it out to him there you can see it is in mr verla's hand are you sure of that eichdahl see for yourself oh do you think i understand anything about it hedvig may i open the letter and read it yes of course you may if you like no not to-night eichdahl why it's for to-morrow in a low tone oh do let him read it it's sure to be something nice and then father will be glad and he'll be in good spirits again then i may open it yes please do father it'll be such fun to know what it is good he opens the letter takes out a paper reads it through and seems confused what is this what's in it then oh yes father tell us be silent reads it through again he turns pale but masters himself it's a deed of gift hedvig fancy what is it i'm to have read it yourself hedvig goes to the lamp and reads a moment in a lower voice clenching his hands the eyes the eyes and now this letter leaves off reading yes but i think this is meant for grandfather taking the letter from her you gina can you understand this why i don't know anything on earth about it just tell us mr verla writes to hedvig that her old grandfather need no longer trouble himself with copying but that for the future he's to draw a hundred crowns a month at the office aha a hundred crowns mother i read that 
That'll come in very well for grandfather. A hundred crowns as long as he may need it. That means, of course, until he has closed his eyes in death. Well, then he's provided for, poor old fellow. But there's more follows. You didn't read this, Hedvig. Afterwards, it's to revert to you. To me? All of it? He writes that the same sum is assured to you for your whole life. Do you hear that, Gina? Yes, I hear well enough. Fancy! I'm to have all that money! Shaking him. Father! Father! Aren't you glad? Evasively. Glad. Walking about the room. Ah! What an outlook! What a perspective unrolls itself before me! It is Hedvig! It is she whom he endows so richly! Why, it's Hedvig's birthday! And it'll be yours all the same, father. You know that I shall give all the money to you and mother. To mother, yes. That's it. Hjalmar, this is a snare he is laying for you. Do you think this is another snare? When he was here this morning, he said, Hjalmar Ekdal is not the man you take him for. Not the man. You will see that, he said. You were to see that I would allow myself to be bought with money. But, mother, what's the matter? Go and take off your things. Hedvig goes out almost crying at the kitchen door. Yes, Hjalmar. Now we shall see who is right, he or I. Slowly tears the paper across and lays both pieces on the table. Here is my answer. I expected it. Going up to Gina, who stands by the oven, and speaking in a low tone. And now, no more deceit. If the connection between you and him was quite at an end, when you came to care for me as you call it, why did he make it possible for us to marry? I suppose he thought he'd be free of the house. Only that? Wasn't he afraid of a certain result? I don't understand what you mean. I want to know if your child has the right to live under my roof drawing herself up her eyes flashing and you ask that you must answer me this one question is hedvig my child or well looks at him with cold defiance i don't know shudders slightly you don't know how should i know such a woman as i quietly turning from her then I have nothing more to do in this house. Think what you're doing, Hjalmar. Taking up his overcoat. There's nothing for a man like me to think about here. Yes, here there is so much to be thought over. You three must remain together if you were to reach the great height of self-sacrificing forgiveness. I will not. Never. Never. My hat. Takes his hat. My home has fallen into ruins about me. Bursting into tears. Gregers, I have no child. Has opened the kitchen door. What do you say? Going up to him. Father, father. There now. Do not come near me, Hedvig. Stand away. I cannot bear to see you. Ah, the eyes. Goodbye goes towards the door, holding him fast and crying out, No, 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 no! Don't go away from me! Calls out, 
Look at the child, Eichdall. Look at the child. I will not. I cannot. I must away. Away from all this. He tears himself away from Hedvig and goes out at the entrance door with despairing look. He is going from us, mother. He is going from us. He will never come back again. If only you will not cry, Hedvig. Father will come again. Throws herself sobbing upon the sofa. No, no. He will never come home to us any more. You believe that I meant it all for the best, Mrs. Ekdal? Yes, I do, almost. But God forgive you all the same. Lying on the sofa. Oh, I feel as if it would kill me. What have I done to him? Mother, you must bring him home again. Yes, yes, yes. Only be quiet, and I'll go out and look for him. Puts on her outdoor things. Perhaps he's gone to Relling's. But you mustn't lie there and howl. Will you promise me that? Crying convulsively. Y yes. I'll stop. If only father will come home again. To Gina, who is going out. Wouldn't it be better, after all, that you let him first fight out to the end his bitter fight? Oh, he can do that afterwards. First and foremost, we must quiet the child. She goes out at the entrance door, sitting up and drying her eyes. Now you must tell me what it's all about. Why won't father have anything more to do with me? You mustn't ask about that till you're a big girl and grown up. Sobbing. But I can't go on being so terribly miserable till I'm big and grown up. I know what it is. Perhaps I'm not father's real child. Uneasily. How could that be? Why, mother may have found me. And now, perhaps father has got to know it, for I read about such things. Well, but if it were so... Yes, I think he might love me just as much for all that, and even more. Why, the wild duck, too, was sent us for a present, and yet I care so much for her. Trying to change the subject. Yes, the wild duck. That's true. Let's talk a little about the wild duck, Hedvig. The poor wild duck. He can't bear to see her either. Only think, he wanted to wring her neck. Oh, he'll not do that, I'm sure. No, but he said so, and I think it was so hard of father, because I say my prayers for the wild duck every night, and beg that she may be preserved from death and all that is evil. Looking at her. Do you always say your prayers at night? Oh, yes. Who taught you to do that? I, myself. It was once when father was so ill, and had leeches on his throat, and then he said he was wrestling with death. Well. So I prayed for him after I had gone to bed, and ever since I've gone on with it. And now you pray for the wild duck, too. I thought it would be best to put the wild duck in, too, for she was so sickly at first. Do you pray in the morning, too? No, I don't do that. Why not in the morning as well? Oh, it's late in the morning. And there's nothing to be afraid of. And the wild duck that you're so very fond of. Your father wanted to wring its neck. No, he said it would be best for him if he did, but that he would spare her for my sake. And that was very good of father. Coming a little closer. But if you 
were to sacrifice the wild duck of your own free will for his sake rising the wild duck if you now freely sacrificed for him the best thing you know and possess on earth do you think that would help try it hedvig in a low voice and brightening eyes yes i will try and do you think you've enough strength of mind i will ask grandfather to shoot her for me yes do so but not a word of all this to your mother why not she does not understand us the wild duck i'll try it early to-morrow gina comes in at the entrance door going up to her did you meet him mother no but i heard that he'd gone into rellings and taken him along with him are you sure of that yes the porter's wife told me molvik went with them too she said oh and this at a time when he needs so sorely to wrestle in solitude taking off her things yes menfolk are so different heaven knows where relling has dragged him to i ran over to mrs ericsson's but they weren't there struggling with her tears oh if he should never come home any more he will come home again i will bear him a message to-morrow and you will see how he'll come sleep peacefully on that hedvig good night he goes out at the entrance door throwing herself sobbing on gina's neck mother mother patting her on the back and sighing ah yes relling was right that is what comes of crazy people going about and presenting intricate claims end of act four